0: Welcome to neither here nor there. Oh, I'm not used to seeing people return. This is quite the surprise. To have a guest return as often as you is something I never thought I'd see. This almost feels like we need to celebrate, doesn't it? I've got something I'd like to show you. Come here. It's a story of two men, colleagues in fact, that would experience something both you and I are very familiar with. Have you ever felt like things weren't moving fast enough for you? It can be agony if the right pressure is being applied to you in the right place. Now imagine, instead of seconds or minutes if you're truly unlucky, the gap between you is separated by one day. 24 hours between an event happening and you learning about it. Would you like to see a race against time between two rivals? Come close. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. To ease you in, I think you could use some context. Have you ever had a rival? A childhood bully? Unfortunately for some, they don't necessarily go away. Things pull apart and come together as we grow older. Even the oceans have to abide by these rules, too. But as fate would have it, two lifetimes can exist entirely, intertwined. David and Edward, friends since high school, always found themselves competing at the highest level for everything they put their eyes on in high school david managed to be valedictorian however both would attend the same university here edward became the center of attention for his passion for ethics and archaeology both graduating the same year they sought employment in what few archaeological dig operations still existed and as fate would have it They both became intertwined once again. The dig operation was simple. One team goes in first, catalogs all they can for one week. Then the second team comes in after camp has been set up. Then a massive excavation effort will begin. The only problem is there's a one-day lag in communications between the two teams. One. Entire. Day. Here is the story of the Desert of the Intertwined Men. Edwards' audio log from the day of Team B's trek begins here.
1: Hello, this is Edward Round from the Archaeological Dig Team B. Anxiously awaiting word from Team A about when we can start our departure. It's odd, really. The way this dig was set up, uh, it was supposed to be simple. Team A leaves one week in advance, trekking their way through the Wastes and down Shaft Alteria, the, uh... Is this ever going external? It's... Huh. Alright. Shaft Alteria, which is our, uh, codename for an oddly constructed vent system that, uh, appears to be man-made. Or at least some people in our department with a level head believe Dividing up these groups was one of the biggest shit shows I've ever seen. The department hasn't exactly had the funds it's needed for the last few years. Luckily enough for us, we got a wealthy benefactor. A slim guy in his... 50s, I guess? Wears a suit even though he claims he works with his hands. You know how it is. Myself and... My friend, David, were tasked with building research teams to go on with this expedition. I took so much care to get the groups built exactly the way that I needed it to, to, you know, ensure our benefactor would be updated every step of the way. We had Randy, or Randall, I don't know what he goes by anymore, who's focused primarily on preservation, but has a techie niche, That he's found himself coming more and more comfortable with, there's—sorry, this this is getting weird. Everyone's within earshot. The department's low on funds, so you wear multiple hats here, you know? You have myself, who up until this point was considered one of the leading minds in Neolithic construction. I got, you know, others. It doesn't matter. The benefactor sat us down and made us pitch our theories as to what they are. I was reasonable. I said, a ventilation system. No idea how intricate the interior is. There really could be centuries of mining tools that we've never discovered, living in the vast network of shafts and grooves. The ventilation shaft, as we've come to call it, has five long, thick gashes that stab deep into the earth. The incline isn't much, but it's enough to imply that this itself is man-made. What's underneath? Who knows? We've never seen air bellow out of a cavern like this before. I imagine there could be all sorts of rich earth metals down there. Maybe even a massive reserve of helium. It And then I was cut off. The benefactor waved his hand in my face like I was a gnat bothering him, and then David cut in.
2: I'm a skeptic. You're a skeptic. Any good researcher is not certain as to what the causes or rewards are for expeditions. I'm going to cut to the chase. I think we are sitting on a wealth of stuff that I'm... Not exactly convinced are from this world, our world. I mean, what I'm telling you is that we may have first contact. You could be the benefactor that proved a world beyond ours. So, what you say?
1: You fucking idiot! <laughs> you fucking. <laughs> he agreed. The benefactor said it had been a while since he met someone so excited about their work. And while he disagreed, he... He wanted David to staff Team A. The... The very team that would get to descend first. Something about how the most important part of the team is the anchor. He started talking about how he used to race in swimming... While your most enthusiastic racer sets the pace and energy, the, the guy in the rear is the one who really tells the true story. I don't know. All I do know is that the second I left that room, he cut a check that had more zeros than I've ever seen in my life. And told both of us to assemble our teams for potentially a multi-month venture. All we would need are three weeks of supplies, and most importantly, Team A gets a week-long advance to set up camp ahead of us and get the real team prepared for excavation and preservation. The only problem is, it's the night of, what is it, Thursday? Day 7? And I still haven't heard back from David.
0: It wouldn't be until the next morning that Edward would hear from David. The transmission plays as follows.
2: Eddie, baby, what it do? (laughs) I hope everyone is hanging on tight. We got the, uh, we got Shaft Alteria in sight. Sorry if you can't hear me over these dune buggies. It's insane, right? There's like eight of us all rolling out Mad Max style. You all should be good to leave now, right? now wish, just go. We've been making insane pace out here. Real shame that this is, uh, this is no-fly somehow. Benefits of being an American out here. So, you know, since I was the first to set eyes on this stuff, I got a few pointers uh, for you. One, you will be in hall at just some... Oh, how big this shaft is in person. I mean, massive. You'll see it in, <laughs> in... like a week or two. week or so. Oh man. I'm telling you, dude. You'll have all the time in the world to catalog this stuff. I'm just telling you, when you see it, I hope you're as stunned as I am. Alright, be safe big dog. Go on and roll out as soon as transmission ends.
1: Hearing that shit just put a knife through my heart. We have to wait a week, seven days, before we can begin the trek out to the shaft and this. My colleague waits until day eight to send us notice to head out. I... I can't tell you how fucking stupid this setup is. This could be the tomb of an unknown god, headass. Sorry, I shouldn't be venting on the official university audio log. It's just... It's infuriating, given the circumstances. Fuck, whatever. We've all piled up base camp into our five dune buggies, and... We're beginning the long trek out to the shaft, and... What is it? Like, ten minutes? Ten? Right. Whatever lays out there, we will know in seven days, I guess. Probably going radio dark for the next week or so. I'll I'll continue updates then.
0: With the discovery of the confines of Shaft Alteria on the horizon, radio silence wasn't going to last very long, was it? The next transmission follows merely 24 hours after the first transmission. The recording plays as follows.
2: Bro, <laughs> sorry, this is exciting, my man. I can't wait to get your take on this. We descended down one of the gouges, you know, the um, the five slits of the earth, or whatever the folklorist talked to us about. And it's not like a cave down here, like you thought. It's a whole secondary desert biosphere. Somehow, without any help from the sun, all life down here remains alive and non-wilted. No idea if the wind flow is carrying nutrients or... Ah, who am I kidding? I'm not qualified to talk about this shit. The descent—I mean, the descent is steep. It's an insane drop-off as we started to repel down. You may want to do the whole buddy system. But if you're going to do that, you should have two of your uh, less important guys. (laughs) I'm just playing, Mark. Come on. Have two uh, guys go down first with the more unimportant gear, and uh, yada, yada. You you, you fucking get it. Hang on. Let me get where it's a bit quieter. You'll be stunned when... um, you see what we've seen. The wind gusts are mild down here. You know, not much. Insane amounts of loose sand all over the floor, but that's not a problem at all. Weirdly, weirdly, the gusts are hardly blowing down here. We were worried about. A bit. We were we worried for a bit because we didn't have uh, you know goggles, but I doubted they needed them to be honest with you. No worries with oxygen levels or air pressure either. GPS seems to be behaving too. Oh, also, the uh, the rocks are completely illuminated. Yeah, I forgot to skip that. kind of skip that, you know, kind of that part. I don't understand what's at play here, dude. For the vent, it's pitch black. Like you're staring directly into the void, right? Then as we descended, we noticed that the rocks, you know, the literal walls of this cavern are almost lighting it up for us. Seriously. We landed on the floor of this place and I don't know what it is. our eyes adjusting or something weird to play, but the rocks... they're showing us the way, dude. It's pretty obvious which way we gotta go. Almost looks like one of those old missile silos we used to watch in the documentary class we took in undergrad school. Could be generations of mining or wind erosion over time. It's perfectly spherical. That's weird, right? I'm not the only one that thinks that's weird. We practically have our backs to the wall, so we'll be marching forwards. You'll know what I mean when you get here. It's weird not being able to see any sky, but It's almost like the rocks are creating a faux night sky. If that makes sense at all. All the stalactites with their irradiated tips. I can't wait to get your take on this. Transmission over.
1: Two days out from Shaft Alteria. I... Probably not in the... Best headspace to be leading right now, guys. The, I've functionally told them that we're going to be double timing it. Uh, I hate to admit this, but my ego is getting to me a bit. Hearing the blatant disregard for the for the unknown it whatever. David's group went ahead of us, setting markers for camps to rest along the way, but I've instructed everyone to blow past at at least one. All right, fine. Three. We traveled three days worth of distance in 24 hours. I'm sorry. Everyone's tired. Everyone seems to not trust my judgment as much anymore. It's just tough whenever you've got someone ahead of you operating at a faster speed than you're capable of, you know? We're at the Salt Flats right now. It's completely unforgiving. It's between Campsite 4 and 5. Going to have to get going early, which I'm sure everyone's going to be happy to hear. The Salt Flats are, are... bright white, and, uh... We aren't exactly equipped to endure that kind of heat for a prolonged period of time. Uh, All we can do now is sit and wait. Sit and wait, I guess. So here's to waiting for four and a half, four and a half.
2: Sunday Transmission Day. What is it? 10? There we go. <clears throat> it's insane down here. It's like the tunnels are breathing. Hey man, we decided to set up camp right at the descent point. There's something so hypnotic about the way that the rocks illuminated the walls during the night. We all decided to slow our roll and uh, really enjoy being the first that got to see this. Well... We aren't! Sorry, man. I was trying to hold it in, but I can't anymore. We pitched camp, right? Then we packed up and started to move against the wind. We had a few hiccups along the way. I'm sure you've had yours. Do you remember Ricardo? Big Ricardo? His, uh. God, I don't even know how to say it. His pacemaker has been acting up. We don't know what it is. Jordan thinks that it's dehydration finally catching up to him. And you know what? Probably. I'm not a doctor. Sorry. He's fine. He should be fine. He agreed to stay behind and watch base camp for you guys. Probably for the better. You'll know exactly where he's at. It'll be really hard to miss him. So, there. That's my bit about being an empathetic guy, because... We may have stumbled upon the archaeological find of the century. Okay, so get this, alright, okay, so get this. So Ricardo sees himself back to base camp, and we trudge on, right? In the walls to this place, it's like they're breathing. I swear to God. Passages expand and contract, I swear. It may just be my eyes not used to the light situation down here... So as we're going along, we run up on a few dunes, right? Up and down. Up and down. And then we hit the first corner along the way, right? And what's at the corner? A massive hand-carved mural. Swear to God, man. A hand-carved mural. This shit is insane! Here, let me grab the, uh... The etching Sarah did. Okay, all right, here we go. Humanoid figures, all sitting on their knees, right? Palms facing what looks like a, uh, a shard of obsidian. There's eight of them to one side. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. One, two, two three, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, eight, to the left side of the statue they all look like they're sobbing. It's insane, right? It sounds absolutely crazy. Sarah is talking about how uh, this carving doesn't line up with local uh, theological belief structures at all, given how old the uh, the carvings appear to be. Iconography largely wasn't a, uh, a thing until the uh, the turn of that first millennium. At least in a monotheistic sense. Sorry, I'm just reading off her notes, I don't know any of that. Um, The shard itself, though, this obelisk, it appears to be radiating some sort of uh, light from it. It's really hard to tell if this is symbolic or if the people of these caves are worshiping the the literal stones that are glowing on the side of this uh, shaft the entire way down. We've done our own charcoal rubbings for this, and, uh, we really encourage you to do the same. We haven't spent a long time studying it because we are plunging our way further and further into the belly of this beast. Good luck out there, Eddie. You're in for the time of your life. Transmission end.
1: I've gotten... I won't exaggerate... Maybe seven hours of sleep in the last three days. No one here is happy with me. At least until we started the descent. Probably not the best idea when you think about it. I could hardly keep my eyes open as we finally ended the 430 mile trek across the salt flats. We made our way to Shaft Alteria and started the descent everyone being as emotionally invested in this discovery as they've been all all kindly offered me to be the first down the ropes to the ground floor. Fair in hindsight given the given I really wish David had been more honest about how long of a descent it was. He made it seem like it was 40, 50 feet in total. But this cavern, subterranean landscape, I don't even know what you classify it as, is hundreds and hundreds of feet deep. I mean, it's like stepping foot into a planetarium in Dubai. This entrance is massive. So, down, down I went, noting how much rope was left, and if there was any... Harmful wildlife clinging to the ceilings. Luckily for us, there was none. Probably because of the strong updrafts we felt the whole way down. And... I'll be damned. David was right. The lower I got, it's almost like the rocks and sand beneath me... Illuminated. If I were a God-fearing man, I'd probably say that an almighty creator was welcoming us to his little getaway. After what felt like just shy of half an hour, my feet finally met sand, and there it was. A cavernous gorge, slashed into the belly of the earth, with stalactites illuminating the roof like the night sky. What was so beautiful about this was how organic it all seemed. I remember growing up in my hometown we had this uh children's museum that got converted to more of your general public fair, and it was exactly what you expect. Here's Ursa Major. That means Big Bear. Here's a North Star. That points north. Here's Beetlejuice. It's a red supergiant. It's not bad. It's just You know, once you know it, you know it, you know? But this... This cave? This ecosystem is something I don't think any of us could have mentally prepared for. I set up my little tent, a sleeping bag, and the worst strips of canvas. One of the many concessions I've had to make, given what Sarah has called torture. And I'm sorry, alright? I don't know why, but it's just, it's gotta be ego. I just don't understand why we had to be segmented. Like, and on top of that, no. I should just go into the findings. Everything is as described, from the bioluminescent rocks to the oddly kept plant life on the floor of this cavern, given the given the very little sunlight, if any, that enters it. Walking around what we've dubbed the entrance hall, it would take a team of hundreds to properly catalog this place. I'm honestly not sure how the roof keeps from caving in on itself. The immense weight of the sand above should have put considerable strain on the load-bearing portions of the stone, but there are no pillars on the interior of this roof. I have no idea how this place hasn't collapsed in on itself. One thing that should be noted is that upon entering and seeing the remnants of David's team's base camp, there's a twisted spire jutting directly from the center. Now, I know he can be careless, but you'd you'd think this would have at least been a topic, right? Here, I'll just... I'm just going to scale the thing... Shouldn't be too hard. Getting up past the base of it is tough if you if you don't have any upper body strength. But it's it's built like a spiral, almost like a like a calcified like a calcified conch shell. I'm just walking up this twisted pattern, it's it. Wow. I don't know how to explain this, but it appears to be some sort of preserved mummy. Almost like the spire's pushed its way through the spinal cord and through the chest of whatever whatever poor person was asleep here, or buried here. It's hard to gauge from the age of his body. All the skin from the body seems to be completely eroded, it's almost like it was vaporized. And yet, the bones haven't experienced any sort of wind erosion. What an odd... I'm I'm gonna have Marcy check this out. She's our go-to resource as far as mummified remains and sacrificial stuff is concerned. I'm not bothering them at all tonight, though. The concession we made is pretty simple. They get to sleep as long as they want tonight, and we don't get moving until there's complete and total group consensus. Also, I'm not allowed in the circle of tents. Fair. I guess. One more thing to note before I end this recording. Why did David say Sunday? It's not like him to get his days mixed up like this. Camp looks like it's been gone for a day, at least. you think that he'd be able to check his watch, right? I don't know. More on that later, I guess. I'm ending transmission.
2: Alright, so it's Monday. The, uh... I can't remember the date. Not much progress has been made, really. The, uh, the cave walls, I'm convinced, they're breathing. It's not normal for them to feel like they're contracting and expanding this much. We've made way further and further down into the belly. You'll see more as you trek on. Don't get hung up like we did on the three-split divide. There's this whole labyrinth portion about eight, eight uh, eight and a half miles in, something like that. You'll come to a uh, like an almost raised platform and you'll have three options to choose from. Don't overthink it. Of course, it's the middle one. Come on, it's always the middle one. Just head down that burrowed passageway, and you'll be on your way towards us. It's not all that bad down here, you know? Further on past this passageway, we found a waterfall that leads to a deep, deep, well, it's almost like an aquifer. Thing is so pitch black, We were able to get complete and total refills in our canisters. How incredible is that, right? We may be able to prolong this thing for weeks, months, who knows, man. We've been setting up camp. Haven't really been covering as much ground as we'd like to. Everyone here is getting pretty tired, to be honest with you. Mason asked if he could uh, branch off and take one of the other passageways. He was saying something about maybe they were caused by wind erosion? If the people who inhabited these caves centuries or malicious traps purposely diverting you the wrong way to a cliff or something, I don't know. All I know is people management. <laughs> you know all about this, don't you, Big Dog? It's It's been weird, you know, only talking one way. I really do hope everything is going well for you, really. The wind is getting colder the deeper and deeper we tread. I'm not sure what pace you're keeping. But once you hit the cold, you'll know. Believe me. Alright, listen. I'll, I'll catch you later, man. Transmission. End.
1: When the benefactor told us that this is, without a doubt, the archaeological find of the century, I'm... I'm gonna be honest. I went along with it. People say stuff. You say stuff, whoever's listening to this. It's normal to just say stuff. You ever been excited for a show? A book? It's never just good, right? It's always something grand. It's always the greatest whatever I've ever seen. But this... This is... This is something else. This is on par with discovering the pyramids. It'd it'd be like discovering Atlantis. This place is so vast, so luscious, so overgrown with plant life. It's, It's like we stepped into a new dimension. Everything feels so upside down here. With total consensus from the team, we packed up base camp and started trudging our way down the long, burrowing tunnels David and his team set to walk through, and it's true. It's like these walls are breathing. I don't know how much of it's my eyes being incapable of focusing in on one spot and processing things with the luminescent rocks of uh, whatever it is. These tunnels feel alive. We made our way down the first tunnel, several miles of peaks and valleys of dunes, trudging our way until we saw it. The harsh right angle, just as David said there would be. Huge relief to know we're going the right way, you know? I went ahead and got a charcoal rubbing at the wall, just like he said. There's... Eight, eight, yeah, Eight people off on the left, all on their knees, looking like they're either in pain or total ecstasy, I'm unsure, at the side of this massive spire. It's like an obelisk. Uh, radiating thick beams of light each of these beams connecting to the crowns of the heads of everyone worshipping it it's it's unbelievable I mean to have developed a monotheistic belief structure given the lack of contact to the outside world it's it really is hard to believe I do have an issue with this uh Rubbing, though. Not that I'm going to blame someone for making poor decisions because of exhaustion or excitement, but he completely missed the right side of this etching. I don't know why he wouldn't mention the other group of people, seeming like they're running towards it, with a man, I don't know, average height or so, reaching their hands out, either to join them or warn them it's a pretty glaring oversight you know I'm not going to be a prick about it and say this is journalistic malpractice or anything it's just we've got to be careful here the spire the wall only half rubbed it's you know what it's probably a good thing that I am the anchor how about that how about that this is uh Sunday Monday Monday uh, transmission, Edward, the anchor. Uh, signing off.
2: This is the start of the Tuesday transmission. We uh, we had to leave without Mason. A couple of us went through the the right cave, and we haven't we uh we haven't been able to find him. His tracks, uh, the footprints in the sand led one direction, and after heading that way, they just disappeared. I don't know, man, fuck. I just, uh. I should have sent someone with them, you know. Regardless, the mission is still on. We packed up everything even his stuff, and have trudged on. Pretty spectacular masonry throughout this place, the further and further you uh, proceed throughout it. These rocky ceilings narrowed in and kept narrowing in faster and faster until, you know, they almost appeared tiled. I'm not messing with you. The skilled hand of someone, some master craftsman, turned the stone into this incredibly ornate webbing. Seriously. It's almost like wires. This horribly complex mesh, splitting, diverging from one area that rejoins again into another, and it's... Honestly, it's awe-inspiring. I can't even begin to tell you how uncommon this this architecture is even now. It's like you're staring at a modern computer chip or something. At the time, this would have been carved. This of the uh, early Anglo-Saxons and prehistoric Asian continental art designs. Throw those out. Seriously, just throw them out. There's no root source for what we are seeing. It's completely organic, inorganic. It does. I don't know, it doesn't even matter. We truly are the first contact... To to a society that time hasn't even forgotten about. Time hasn't even known about them. It looks like one last hallway, and then a room I guess, who knows? Hope all is going well, Eddie. You know, hope. I really do hope everything's going well. Transmission, and...
1: Home. I'm sorry. I'm still shaking. The the uh the f- fuck. We were making our way down the tunnel just as David outlined. Then we came to what was an oasis. I don't know how much water they could have taken, but the hole that held the water is just a straight drop to hell. There's nothing here. There's... There's nothing here. We trudged past this, just going along as planned when we came to the labyrinth that David warned us about. But no, it's not three tunnels. Three would be too easy. It was... It was a series of shoots. Like like pneumatic tubes at a bank. It looked like honeycombs. In order to walk through this, we had to push all our stuff through first, and then we ourselves had to crawl on our hands and knees until we made our way through. And It had to have taken an hour, all in all. The shrieks of my team, the feeling of not being able to deep, breathe like take a deep breath even for an hour it it's fucking with all of us no one wants comfort no one wanted to be consoled that this shit sucked after a while everyone was doing just fine until we saw it sorry we we saw him it was Mason I know that face Anywhere I knew... I... Mason is... Mason died. And by the look on his face, he... He died in extreme agony. His body's burnt to a crisp. Like you threw him in a furnace. The positioning of his hands... It... It implies that whatever attacked him came from above him. He's stuck, burned, into this position of pure terror. Like the thing that killed him unleashed all the power of hell onto him after whistling to get his attention first. His body is... It's in that position. Right in the middle of the tunnel. Everyone's on edge. We have these little handguns, a few tranquilizers... Some anti-venom, but not much to defend ourselves with. We all have no idea what attacked him. Who attacked him? We're all just... We're all just panicking. Wondering what we can present... Like, how we can even present ourselves in a way that is non-threatening. None of us are here to attack you. None of us. We're people just like you... Please don't hurt us. We only... We can't stop now. The amount of time we've spent getting here is... It can't be sunk like this. We'll keep marching forwards... For Mason. For... Mason. It hasn't been easy to sleep after seeing Mason like that the group took a pretty heavy hit instead of sitting around and feeling defeated we we've turned basically all of our rest time into forward progress we're all exhausted but as we all agreed we keep marching on for mason david talked about the narrowing hallway and I'm pretty sure we are here. And his description is spot on. It's a complicated web of directions and ornate carvings. I'm not exactly sure how the architects got so high. It's almost lo- like it almost looks like tree branches that fan out from a source. It really is spectacular craft. And uh, <laughs> wow. I think we're here. Ah oh, fuck. We are here. Guys, we're here Let's <laughs> We We're We're here <laughs> Speak of the devil. Alright. Looks like uh David's transmission's coming through. You all run in. No seriously. Get your gear set up. I'll I'll be joining you as soon as it uh as soon as David's uh transmission plays through, alright? No seriously, go in. I'm I'm just going to be less. All right. Here we go.
2: Eddie, turn back. Turn back now. I am not fucking with you, Eddie. Turn back now. This shit, this spire, whatever the fuck you want to call it, it's killing people, okay? It got Sarah, dude. I watched, fuck. I watched the lightning crash and obliterate her body. She, she turned to a pile of ash, dude. Fuck! Everyone else turned and run at each of them. They were all fucking jerking out, man! They just sat there. They just sat there on their fucking knees. They just sat there, unable to move, just fucking frozen. I don't know what is going on, man. It's like fucking lightning or something. It's striking them on the heads, and they're, they're just fucking frozen there. Just turn back! Get the fuck out, Do Not go. In-
0: it's amazing what heavy electrical interference will do to communication lag, like, isn't it? I... I... I don't... I... And this is where Edward's transmission ends. What was once a promising journey into an unseen, unexposed world quickly soured as an obelisk from who knows when exacted its revenge for trespassing. The group's fate was sealed in stone the second that they stepped foot in the cavern. Ricardo, who should have been the warning sign to leave, experienced a massive heart attack from residual electricity all throughout the air, causing his pacemaker to seize up and stop working. As his body laid there in the sand, rocks began to shift. A spire rose and drilled through his body, calcifying him, And whatever else remained of him, Mason, however, had a much more painful death. Do you remember being a child? Being too curious for your own good? If you had a mother who cared, she may have told you to not stick your nose where it doesn't belong. Mason, veering away from the preordained path, sealed his fate by removing something that was not his to take. In one strong blast of electricity, he was struck by the same lightning that killed his colleagues one day later. Except in his case, he saw it coming. First, as a thought. Then as a bulb. And then as a light at the end of the tunnel. Poor Edward, functionally acting as a scribe, had to bear the full weight of the comings and goings of the group. Every success was shared with them, as was every failure. One by one, his colleagues charged into the room, excited to see what the ancient society held for them. Unfortunately, all it held was harsh judgment for crimes they did not know they committed. Each colleague, cut at their knees, will forever be frozen in time, palms raised towards the rotating obelisk, acting as a fuel source until their bodies turned to coarse ash, much like the very sand they treaded on to make it towards this chamber. As for Edward, his death was immediate. After witnessing the grand calling, one bolt hit him squarely between the eyes, turning him into a pile of ash, on impact. Here, the remains of both him and David will slowly be blown by wind over time until both are intertwined by the desert they now permanently inhabit. I will leave you with this. That carving from earlier, the mural on the right angle of the first tunnel, I've just revisited it. True to his word, there are eight figures on the left and nine to the right. But I've come to notice just one more, off to the side, sitting there, observing. Come to think of it, it looks just like you, doesn't it? If I were you, I'd keep from sticking my nose where it doesn't belong from here on out. Goodbye, dear listener. Goodbye.
2: Neither Here Nor There is a bi-weekly horror joint writing and audio production project. The music for this show is provided by Cryo Chamber. A link to their band camp is in the description.